Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. As many of you know, in our world, it's under attack today. And I'm not just talking about the United States. I'm talking about the world. When you think about what's going on even now in with the war in Israel, it breaks our hearts. You see, the world is trying to divide very quickly. It's dividing believers. It's dividing non-believers, whatever it might be. I think about the war in Ukraine, and I think about what Jesus told us when he said, hey, listen, in the last days there's going to be wars and rumors of wars, and we can see that there are wars in our day. And then I think about our own country and what we would call the political unrest, the political unrest of, of where our Constitution and all the things that we held together as a country are being threatened right now. And then I think of, if you will, the highest increase ever of inflation. You have to know that. Not to mention the plain old evil that exists in our world. I mean, think about this. It used to be that Satan and his demons used to hide behind things. Now they're rearing their ugly face and it's pure evil. We see that in our world today. But when I think of inflation, I cannot believe I was actually quite shocked last week. See, last week I was on my way to New Mexico. I was, I was preaching for a friend of mine there in uh, Estancia Valley. And so I decided to go and make sure that the car was okay. And I went over to my normal uh, oil change place. I put in there, I drive up, I said, hey, I need you to check the tires, I need you to boot just a normal, nothing fancy oil change. You know how they do, right? They come up and go, hey, you need this and you need this, and I'm like, no, 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 I don't need all that, just an oil change. And when it was all done, the guy says, it's going to be over 80 bucks, it's $81 for an oil change. I said, whoa, what did you put in there, gold? I mean, are you serious? Because it's always been about 39 or 40 bucks. It's $81. I don't know where that wasn't posted. I don't know what. I had a, a mild heart attack there at that point. I was like, and I know what you, I know what you men are thinking. Well, you need to change your own oil. I'm about to. <laughs> right? I'll just drain it from the bottom and put it back in the top. That's all I could do. It's that expensive. Where did it get that expensive? How did we go from... Anyway, Ben, I, I'm sorry, I regress. I regress. I'm sorry. Now, I'm sharing this not to bum you out. You're like, I was about to get my old change. No, no, no. I think Paul, here in Philippians, well, he wants us to learn in the following verses that um, he's contrasting, man... Just the, the things that are really the really sad in the world today. And I believe, as I was studying this, that you and I, I think we could all use some encouragement this morning. Some good words of encouragement. And listen, church, here's the first thing we need to note. We need to remember that all of us, or like Paul would say, all y'all, all of us are on the same journey this journey we called life, trying to navigate 
through each day as we wait for the Lord Jesus to come get us. And so we can't go, I don't know where you are at, I don't know, we're all navigating the same thing. And therefore, we should have a heart for one another. We're navigating these things. So this morning, let us find some great encouragement as we study our text together. Now, when it comes to encouragement, think about this. I read this quote and I thought it was funny. Encouragement is like peanut butter. The more you spread it around, the better things stick together. But I was thinking about encouraging and encouragement. And I read a story about Pastor Greg Truitt. And he was a tremendously effective pastor for decades here in Texas. His heart was broken when he accidentally killed his best friend while they were on a hunting trip. His daughter said that she never heard him laugh after that day. Truett had a radio program, and each day when he came on to close, he would say, quote, be good to everybody because everybody is having a tough time, unquote. Because he knew personally what heavy burden people could be, or what a heavy burden people could be carrying. So he encouraged compassion toward them. And he writes, sometimes we cross paths with people who seem to be, um, they're just hard to like. And yet, he says, they're, they're usually a reason for this behavior. And oftentimes, it's because they're hiding a heavy heart. If we take time to understand what has happened, we may find that while we have a tough outer exterior, inwardly, they are desperately wishing for someone to care about them. I thought, wow. You see, it's funny. You and I will come to church on Sunday morning and we'll look at each other and we'll say, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? How are you doing, brother? Amen. But sometimes we're just putting on a really tough exterior and what we're saying is, oh my goodness, if you really knew my struggle, if you really knew I was going through this, I think it would freak some of us out. Freak some of us out. Now, I understand what you might be thinking on this Sunday morning. After Wednesday night's prophecy update and you're thinking, wow, I didn't realize this. When you're thinking about inflation and, and the cost of everything going up, when you're thinking about wars and you think about earthquakes, you're thinking, Ben, how can we be encouraged? We live in this every day. Well, Paul, has, he, he shares some things that you and I can smile about this morning. Even in the midst of a crazy world, he says this. Well, you go, what, what could I be encouraged about? Well, number one, let me just remind you, your citizenship is in heaven. Your citizenship, you go, what does that mean? If you are a fully devoted follower of God, heaven is your eternal home. It's your home. You don't have to worry about this life. You go, okay, so where am I going to spend eternity? You're going to spend eternity in heaven. As a matter of fact, Philippians 3.20 says this, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives. And as we are here, church, listen, we're eagerly awaiting for him to come as our Savior. That's some great news. That's some great encouragement. No matter how you feel today, heaven is your home. It's your home. You go, okay, amen, amen. You go, well, what else can I be encouraged about? Well, the Bible says that one day, check this out that you're going to be transformed. 
transformed. Verse 21 of chapter 3 says, Who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. What does that mean? One day, everybody say one day. One day, very soon, our precious Jesus is going to transform this earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. One day. Wow. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything together as it should. Now, if you are old and older and oldest, and you know that your body hurts, just from, just from getting old, that should be a good amen. Because we're not stuck. And I love the fact that God's grace is so amazing that he realizes that we can't live forever in these bodies. That they, they have, he's going he's gonna to give us a new body. We're going to get an upgrade. And they're not going to hurt anymore. And Danish, your knee's going to be great in the new body. You won't even have to get a replacement. It's going to be great A all you. And Denise came in this morning, and I said, okay, Denise, here's what you need to do. If you're going to stay in church, you need, to, you need to jog around the sanctuary at least three times with her new knee. In your glorified body, you'll be able to. It'll be, it'll be sweet, guys. All those aches and pains, and, and dare I say diseases, I'll be gone. They'll all be gone. I, I, think, about, I think about some of the emotional baggage that we carry. And some of the spiritual attacks and, and man, having a transformed, oh, that, that, that's words of encouragement. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Heaven is home? Yeah, heaven's home. <laughs> really? Yeah, this isn't home? No, this isn't home. Heaven's home. Okay, okay. And then not only that, but what? But you have, you're gonna, I'm gonna have a transformed, this is amazing. This is amazing. I get to spend heaven, I get to spend eternity in a glorified, amazing, wonderful body. Wow, what other encouragement do you have? Well, number three, check this out. Paul wants to encourage you today for this simple reason. He says, he says, don't worry. He teaches us not to worry. Now, I see Amanda over here, and um, we talked about this before, but many of us have the gift of worry. Anybody have the gift of worry? Only one. It's a gift. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Ken's like, yep. We just have the, it's a supernatural gift. Why? We just worry. We worry. We worry about that. We worry about stuff that doesn't even happen, does it? We just worry. What's the matter? I'm so worried. What? What's the matter? I don't know if the sun's going to come up tomorrow. <laughs> really weird. But Paul's going to tell. He's going to tell us. Listen, listen. Paul is the original writer, if you will, of of don't worry, be no, not happy, be holy. Paul, Paul doesn't want us to be happy per se, but he says, no, 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 I want you to be holy, and he's going to teach us not to worry. Look at Philippians 4, 6. Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Now, we're going to cover this a little bit later on our time together, but don't worry. Now, that's easier said than done, is it not? Don't worry. Hey, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. And all of a sudden... The fact that you told me not to worry makes me worry. Why did they say don't worry? Should I worry? Now, I know there's nobody here that are overthinkers. You know what I'm talking about? You overthink everything. 
I know there's nobody here. You're all very walking by the Spirit, <laughs> in love with Jesus, and you don't over... Anyway, here's the point. Don't worry. Don't worry. And I'm just going to show us why in a little bit. But let me give you a fourth one, because you need some encouragement. I need some encouragement. Listen, he says, here, here's what you're going to experience. You're going to experience the peace of God, which, surpass, which will surpass all understanding. Now, your question would be, I don't understand it exactly. Because if it surpasses understanding, you won't understand it. You just go, I have peace. I have peace. I have peace. Now, please understand, there's a difference between peace and then, and then just, just being sad about something. For example, if when my wife was diagnosed with cancer and there was a possibility that she could die and I would be left alone here on earth all by myself, did I mention by myself? That would be bad. I had peace about it, but I wasn't happy about it. I knew that, that, that she was God, God's daughter first, but that didn't mean I was like, well, cool, all right, well, you could go home, see ya. I wasn't anything like that. So please, but the peace was internal, and it was kind of going, okay, Lord, I have to trust you. And, and he sets up to guard my heart. I've heard of many people whose wife has died from cancer that they were really, really upset with God for a long period of time. And so I understand that peace and being happy about something are two different things. But God brings peace. And what's he going to do? He's going to, he's going to uh, look at Philippians 4, 7 in the, new, in the New Living. I'm going to read it there. He says, then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything that we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So we got some good encouraging words. But I want to remind you what we talked about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we discovered that Paul was exhorting us, you ready, to find other believers who were on the same journey to learn from and be encouraged. We have to take a moment to look around and find people who are walking the same way, doing the same thing. Not only so that we can encourage others, but that others can encourage us. We're all in the same journey. And think about it. What he does is he, he references himself. Hey, imitate me as I imitate Christ. But don't forget, there's Timothy and there's Epaphrodites. Look at them. And so the, the principle for us is to look around and go, hey, we're walking on the same road. How are you? How are you doing? Oh, Pastor Ben, I'm really struggling. Well, tell me how you're struggling. How can I pray for you? What can I do? Is there anything I can do? That's what we need. We need to find others who are on the same journey. Now, in this journey, it's like a race. There are some of us who are a little bit farther along, and you go, hey, how did you do it? And then there are some people who are behind who you got to say, hey, come on, I'm walking with you. Come on up here. And, 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 and he encourages us to, to do that. Have you done that? Have you walked with brothers and sisters? You see, Paul's going to use the term brethren which actually in the Greek means family. He says, it, 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 if you boil it down, it, it, it means womb and brother. And, but he's talking about family. And so he's called his family to walk together. To walk together. And guess what? If you've ever had a family, you know that we're dysfunctional. We are. And so we forgive each other, we love each other, but we still are family. We're so what? <laughs> 
Is there still dysfunctional? Thanks. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. You just messed this whole up. You. Man. And next, th- thank you. We're still dialoguing here. Thanks. Okay. Good. 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 So then next, we find Paul, and we find him weeping. Weeping. And, and these tears are not for himself at all. Guess what? They're shed because of others. Paul has a spiritual mind, and he is heartbroken over the way some professed Christians are living, people who mind earthly things. He's sad because he's going, there are people in the church that are pretenders. Wow, how do you spot a pretender? I know. Everybody put on your secret sin sniffer. Put on your secret sin, and then go around going, uh-huh, uh-huh, there's one. Oh, over here. That's not what he's saying. He's broken because their fruit is actually, oh yeah, they raise their hands in church and they smile and say, God bless you, how are you? I'm good, praise the Lord. But their life is contrary to what they believe. And, he, and, and, he, and he's weeping and he's heartbroken. And, and here's why he's heartbroken. He's looking and he's going, there's men and women who are pretending to be citizens of heaven, and all the while they're enemies of the cross. Now, we don't like to hear that. We like to hear that everybody who walks through those doors are fully born, born again. But, 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 but think about what, think about what we're, we're listening here. He says there are going to be pretenders in the church. But, but he doesn't call us to be secret sin sniffers. He calls us to love people back to life because maybe they're in a way to where they're, they're dead and they're coming in and they're trying to, and they've been hurt by the church and they've been hurt by Christians and they've been hurt by, and now they're just trying to come back, but you know what? They're dead and they're really standoffish and all this stuff, but, but think about it. There, there are going to be those in the church and Paul's really going, they're enemies of the cross. Think about, think about the way Jude, think about the half brother of Jesus, the way he put it. Jude chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 says, Beloved, while I was diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith, which was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain men have crept in unnoticed, who long ago were marked out for this condemnation, ungodly men who turn the grace of God into lewdness and deny the only Lord God, our Lord Jesus Christ. What does Jude say? Jude said there's some people in the church, and they snuck in. They're creepers. They've creeped in through the side door. Listen, church, as an exhortation to you and I, let's just make sure that we have the discernment, that we, we don't just, we don't want to bring in wolves because we think they're sheep, and then they devour the sheep. To be careful. To be careful. Jesus, my Jesus, actually spoke of this in his parable. You can jot this down. Matthew 13, 24 through 30, says, Another parable he put forth, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in the field. But while men slept, Israel today, and you look at the up in pride, the wheat is bowing down like this. Jesus told us that they're, he says, they're going to grow together. And I actually like that. Well, why would you like that? 
Because the Bible says his word doesn't come back void. And you have somebody who's here who's not a believer, and they keep coming and they keep coming and they keep coming. I'm hoping the word of God penetrates and penetrates and penetrates to where they finally have to come to the altar and confess and be like, I'm broken. I need Jesus. I don't want to be a terror anymore. I want to be a wheat. I want to be a wheat. But I want you to think, not as Calvary Chapel, guys, but as the, the Church of Jesus Christ, you know, just, just even citywide. The church as a whole, citywide. How many people claim Christianity but live like there is no God? Everyday life is just like that. Paul weeps because his heart is broken. And what Paul wants is the same thing that you and I should want. You ready? We want people to know Jesus, to really know Jesus. I'll tell you why. Because one day, one day, you're going to hear a trumpet sound. And it's going to be this most glorious trumpet. And in a twinkling of an eye, half a blink, you'll be gone. And I wonder how many people would still be here. And that should break our hearts. Oh, oh, listen to me, church. Not that we can make somebody be saved. You can't talk anyone into salvation. Okay? If you can talk someone into salvation, somebody can talk them out of it. It's a born-again heart change, and you have to listen to the Holy Spirit to go, Lord, first and foremost, am I right with you? Am I really right with you? Have I been playing church, or is there a possibility that I could get left behind? I just want to be, I just want to be right with you. And we have to check our hearts and just make sure. And just make sure. Because the people, Paul writes, their end is destruction, not salvation. Or end his destruction. Don't let P-R-I-D-E get in the way. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. Praise God. Just make sure. It's always good to do a heart check. Lord, where am I with you? Where am I with you? So now as we come to chapter 4, Paul starts off with a therefore. You guys see that in verse 1? Always remember, when there's a therefore, what do we have to do, church? We always have to go back and see what it's there for. Okay? And we want to go back to the previous two verses, and let's read them together again. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Therefore, you guys see it? My beloved brethren, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and my crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. What's the two words that jump out in this in, in verse 1? It's the word beloved. And you know what that means? That means dearly. That means he just loves us. He loves us. And, and, and I think about this. This is a great encourager. Listen, here's some great encouragement. Paul says, hey, listen, because your citizenship is in heaven, and one day, one day, whether you're in the grave or alive, you're going to be transformed. Amen. He says, therefore, because of that. Now, whenever we see Scripture, we need to make sure that we understand that that's what's going to happen. 
Okay? There's not a therefore for you if you're not a fully devoted follower of God because you're like, I'm not sure where I fit in heaven. I'm, and, and, and I don't know, I'll go back to my days before I got saved. I would cross my pinky, I would cross my toes and everything. I would hope that my good would outweigh my bad and that I was just really, really good enough and that God would, would, would just judge on this scale and go, oh, Ben, you, you all right. You know, you didn't kill, you didn't rob, you didn't steal, you didn't, well, maybe a little, but you're fine. Come on in. That was my hope until I heard the gospel and realized, oh yeah, I do all these things, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put my faith and trust in Jesus and that's where my salvation comes from. Therefore, Paul writes, my beloved and longed for brethren. What's the first thing? He's a great encourager because Paul calls us beloved. Beloved. Do you realize that that's the one thing that you and I crave more than anything is to be loved? Is to be loved. We crave that. I, I want to be loved. And Paul goes, I love you. I love you. Oh, no, no, you don't understand. I want a human to love me. Well, Paul was human, and he's writing them. He goes, guys, I love you. I love you. And he goes, as a matter of fact, he calls them what? The longed for, but I long to see you. I can't wait to see you. Wow. He says, as a matter of fact, guess what? You are my joy and my crown. My joy and my crown. Ah, That's great encouragement. If you get nothing out of this message, would you jot this down? God loves you very, very much. He loves you very, and, and, and if you would even think about it, he's longing to see you and be with you. But, he, but you've got a plan and a purpose here on earth, okay? You've got to fulfill that. And then he's like, and, and as a matter of fact, he says, you're my joy and my crown. Wow. So what should we do? Because Paul's encouraging us. Here's what he says. He goes, so, 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 stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Stand fast. What's, why, why is he encouraging us this way? Because standing fast, Paul calls you and I, you ready? Jot this down. To remain faithful, to remain faithful, to remain faithful to the gospel message through both word and deed. We gotta stay faithful. We gotta stay faithful. This is amazing. Understanding that we're heaven bound and one day this old corrupt body will be transformed into a glorious body, Paul exhorts us, encourages us to stand firm. Stand firm. Hey, I know life is hard. Hang in there. Stand firm. Just remain faithful. Yeah, I feel like giving up. I feel like quitting. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. It's okay. God has a plan for you. Stay faithful. Yeah, but you know what? Man, life has just been really hard lately. And I'm not even, I, I, I can't even imagine just thinking, you know, stay, stand firm. Stay firm. If you've ever run a race, anybody ever run a race in here? You're, you're just a few yards away from the, the tape. You're just a few yards. And what Paul wants you to do is don't look back to see where the rest of the crowd, just keep focused on there. I want to I cross that tape. I want to cross that tape. You know, when it comes to several marathons, particularly the Boston Marathon, there's a lot of people who run the Boston Marathon, Right? Not everybody can win the Boston Marathon. 
you get one winner. But you know what most of them will say? I just want to... Exactly. I just want to finish. I want to finish well. Yeah, but you were last. Don't care. Finished. I can add that. I finished. I finished. Can you imagine? All right. We're going to do the mayor's race, guys. We're going to do 26 miles, all of us. We're going to do the, we're going to do the mayor's... Um, and we're going to get ready to run. Everybody's going to start training. We're going to run 26. We're going to do a marathon. And, um, and then and we're, all at the, we're all there and we're all excited. And we're like, oh, you guys ready? Ready, Paul? You ready? I'm ready. Let's go. And so we take off and about three yards in, we're like, nah, I quit. That wasn't for me. A lot of people in their spiritual life do that. And Paul says, hey, here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand firm. Stand firm. And almost, church, listen, almost like an object lesson, he now writes about two women in the church who were having problems. Two women. Note the word. Now, here's what I want you to see. I want you to note the words of encouragement. I saw Joe just point over there. That's just not right, Joe. Shame on you. No, I lost my time. just like, whoa. I want you to note the encouragement, but don't miss the application. Don't miss the application. Okay? If anybody at this point had an excuse for worrying, it would be the Apostle Paul. His beloved Christian friends there at Philippi were disagreeing with one another, and he wasn't there to help them. And we have no idea what Ayudia or Sintiki were disputing about, but whatever it was, Listen, it was bringing division into the church. So now we got to listen. He writes, he writes, stand firm, and he says, I implore Eudia, I implore Sintiki. Some people call her Sintiki. Whatever you want to call her is fine. He says, to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel. Ask Clement, if you will, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Your attention, please. If you have a pencil handy, I find it interesting. The name Uyudia is basically means prosperous or it's a prosperous journey. That's her name. The name Sintiki, check this out. Her name means um, pleasant acquaintance. Pleasant. So you have two ladies, one of them who was literally prosperous. I bet she was A-type personality, wanted to get things done. And then you had a second named Sintiki who was very pleasant. Oh, very daintly, probably Southerner. Just, just, just beautiful women in the church. And he said, these women worked with me, and now they're apparently at odds. And their quarrel... As Paul heard about it, it might have been a key reason why he actually wrote this letter. So what does Paul do? Paul reminds them there were two co-labors in the gospel, and he, and he reminds them. Now, remember that when our flesh rises up, it wants its own way. It wants its own way. And so I started thinking about Ayudia and Sintiki, and I thought, what were they fighting about? What, you know, they, hey... Could you help them, Clement? Get Clement, get, get some workers. Let's, let's, let's kind of nip this in the bud. But I started thinking, what were they disagreeing about? What were two women disagreeing about in the church? 
Did they wear the same shoes that day on Sunday? It was who wore it best? Ooh, no, those you didn't. I don't know if it was something like that, but let me tell you what I think it might be. You ready? And, and this is where a lot of Christians disagree. You go, what's that? Here it is. I think that when we disagree about something, I wonder if one of them or the other thought ministry should be done their way, and it wasn't, and therefore it was wrong. It wasn't of the Lord. I wonder. Well, well, Paul taught us this way. I don't understand. Why are you doing it that way? No, you have to do it this way. And I just was thinking about this. I was like, I wonder what they were really. And I started to think about it. Now listen, just because something is not your way doesn't mean it isn't from the Lord. Church is, to, church is run to please one person. The Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus. And I wonder what you would say, dear church, if Ayudia and Sintiki were sitting in these two front chairs, would you ask them, hey guys, what, what do you, what, what's the dispute about? Is it really, is it really that bad? Because you're causing division in the body. You got the friends of Ayudia going, oh, oh, yeah, gather around. What do you think? No, I think she's wrong. I don't know. What are you going to tell her? I don't know. I don't know. I won't invite her to our body. I won't, I won't have her at our house anymore. And Sintiki's friends are over here going, I, I don't know what I did wrong. I just was trying to follow what Paul said. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of confused. What do you think about this? And now, and now you've got division. And what happens is down at the Walmart, Ayudia sees Sintiki and she won't even talk to her. You go, Ben, that's silly. It is silly. But I wonder if they were here today, would we love them enough to say, hey guys, um, you need to do a heart check. You need to do a heart check. Because at the end of the day, our lives are simply here to please the one and only King of Kings. And sometimes when we don't get our way, we go, well, that's, that's, not, that's not how I would do it. That's not how God would do it. And so we have to be careful. We have to be careful. And I think it's the same for us, church. You see, the whole book has been about joy. Each one of us walking on the same journey, doing life together. Even if their life is different from yours, guess what? We're called to support and love each other. Nothing more, nothing less. I got really quiet in church today. Conflict occurs even between the most faithful Christians, as we all know. But what we need to learn today is to stop nurturing resentment. Stop nurturing resentment. As a matter of fact, he's going to exhort us next week in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, He's going to say, hey, here, here's what I'd rather you do. Instead of harboring all this bitterness and resentment and, and, who this, and what they're doing and what they're not doing and, and worrying about their life, he goes, how, how, how about you do this? How about you um, just think about what's honorable? Think about what's just and pure and pleasing and commendable and excellent and praiseworthy in the other person. That's a task. That's a task. You need to look and go, okay, 
this person, oh, that, that person, it might be guys, it might be girls, whatever it might be, but maybe they bug you, maybe they rub you the wrong way, and, and, and you and I as believers are going, hey, let me find the good in them. Let me find the good. Let me keep looking. I, I, it's easy to find the bad. Come on, somebody, give me an amen. It's easy to pick out the bad. It's, oh, yeah, look. But, but to find the good, to look at stuff that's praiseworthy, oh, wow. How can I encourage you? Yes. Amen. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, if they, if they read the Bible like I did, they wouldn't be, wow. Well, we don't need to do that, church. We need to be encouraging. And, and, and there's obviously a division here. Because if we do what Paul tells us, if we, if we, if we just think, oh, okay, this is noble, this is pure, this is, well, what is pure? What is pure? Uh, I'm going to use I'm going to use Philip in my illustration. Philip, is it okay if I use you? He's going to he says go right ahead. Um, and I don't even know what I was going to use you for, but no, it's gone. Gone. Yeah, prem pure. Philip doesn't get to be used. Sorry, I just lost it. Um, but if I'm thinking about the other person in a pure sense. That's hard for me to find fault in what he's doing. It's hard. He tells us if we do these things, if we look at others, if we try to find encouragement, we try to find the good. He says, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, and says, man, think about that. That's, that's what we need. We have to remember that everyone, every person you come to, every, everyone you meet is somebody that Christ died for. Well, they don't act right. Well, they don't do what I say. Or they don't, they don't believe. You have, you, wow. Wow. Lord, help us to see people as, as, as those who you died for, before I start to be negative, negative, and negative. And the second thing we should do is always look at ourselves first. Do you guys remember what Jesus said? you guys remember what Jesus What did he say? He said, first remove the plank from your eye before you remove the speck from your brother's eye. So always look at your heart. I mean, can you imagine? Here's a big old plank, and you're like, hey, you got a speck, and you're hitting everybody on this side. Well, what happened? You're hitting everybody on that side, and that's exactly how it is. So take a step back, look at my heart, go, Lord, where am I? Because here's the thing. The Bible doesn't say that he doesn't have a speck. He has a speck, and he needs some brotherly love. But I want to make sure that I don't have a big telephone pole coming out of my eye before I say, dude, you got a speck of dust in yours. We should always look at our heart first. And that's what he's saying. He's saying, Ayudia, hey, I implore them. Now, here's the encouraging words. Paul had the authority to go, hey, tell those women to knock it off. He doesn't, he's encouraging. He's saying, hey, Clement and, and others, they're written in the Lamb's, they're, they're secure, they're, they're written in the Lamb's Look of Life. But listen, 
Outside those brown doors, through those glass doors, is a world of people that are looking at your life. And they're, and they're judging Christianity based on what we're citizens of heaven. And so I, we can't be divided. We can't be fighting. Tough thing to do, but the Holy Spirit will help us through. So then he goes on, guys, in verse 4. Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say, rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, the Lord is at hand. What a great encouragement that is, right? He's saying what? He says, rejoice. Guys, let there be joy. Be joy in the Lord. Hey, here's a spoiler alert for life. Anybody want a spoiler alert for life? God works it out in the end no matter what. So just rejoice in Him. Just rejoice in Him. But He says, i got to do something. I've got to do something. Verse 5, what do I got to do? He's saying, He says, let your gentleness be known to all men. So what's he saying? He's talking about a mindset and an attitude of us Christians. Paul encourages you and I to take delight and satisfaction in walking with the Lord. Why? So that those who look upon us can see his influence in our lives and desire the Lord for himself. That's what Paul says. He says, okay, okay. But what what does gentleness mean? Let your gentleness. Well, I looked it up in the Greek, and I'm not going to say it because it's just, it's a really, it's E-P-I-E-I-K-E-S. But here's what it means. It means reasonable, reasonable. You go, what's the point? Here it is. We as believers are not to be seen as easily angered or even foolish, but rather we should be seen as reasonable, reasonable. See, gentle people, reasonable people, handle life different, including disagreements and difficulties. Ooh, Christians, Christian, listen up, tune in. You and I are called to handle life a little bit different. No, we're not. No, we're not. We handle life a lot different. Why? Because we rejoice in the Lord. What if the Lord Jesus judged you by the same standard you judge others? Oh, whoa, whoa, no, no. I'm under grace and mercy, and thank you, Lord. Amen. And that's how we need to be with others. They're not there yet, but guess what? I'm not there either. And so if we're going to do life together, let's do life together, man. Well, I don't agree with Abel. Abel doesn't agree with me, but we're still brothers. We're still brothers. And I'll still dunk on him. And I mean, that's just how it is, okay? I mean, that's how it's going to be. No, he's saying, no, look. He's like, no, you won't. See, right away. He's already, look. Did you not get anything from this, Abel? Come on, man. You should be humble. But I'd say, yeah, yeah, pastor, you got this. Reasonable people handle life different, including difficulties and disagreements. How can you handle that different? How can it be different? I'll tell you why. You ready? Because heaven is your home already. You're not so, you're not so deep here. You're not so... It's just passing through. Now, I don't like it when, 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 I, when there is difficulties and disagreements. I don't like it. You don't like it. One of the biggest things we struggle with is confrontation. Well, how do we confront in love? And I, just, I don't like it. But we do handle it different. We do handle it different. 
We need to be careful we're not spouting off in anger, be mean. Ah, they just need to know. We, we pray about it and we, we lovingly just take it to the Lord. Take it to the Lord. Words of encouragement. I would say let's do a, let's do a quick heart check, church, and, and repent from those things that are bringing us at odds with fellow believers. It's not right. The world is watching and wondering why you and I are different. I'll tell you why. It's because we've learned to walk with God and conduct ourselves as citizens of heaven. So now Paul, Paul is somewhat worried, okay? But then reminds us not to worry. Look at verse um, 4 through 7. Paul says, okay, guys, now listen. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, what you need to do, go ahead and put next to this, if you don't mind writing in your Bible, I would put, don't worry, be holy. Don't worry, be holy. Why? Because I want to break this down just a little bit. I'm going to show you. Um, The word anxious can be translated worry. So Paul says, don't worry. Right? Don't worry, be holy. Okay? Let's let's make a song like that. We should we should make a song. You, you wanna make a song? Write a song like that, okay? But what it doesn't mean is, well, I don't I have a I don't care attitude. That's not what it says. It says, Don't worry. Don't worry. Well what what, what well what should I do? Well, you have a pencil handy. Look at the word prayer. Anytime you see the word prayer, you think, well, I just, okay, I fold my hands, I pray to God. But the actual word translated out is worship. The first thing you need to do in a stressful and anxious time in your life, worship. Worship. Can I be honest? That's not my first go-to when I start to worry. Guess what? They rate, you know, Listen, there wasn't any worship going on when I got handed the $81 oil change bill. I was like this. I have to get a second job to pay for the oil change. Are you kidding me? But Paul says, hey, when you, when you start to worry, and you, and you got the gift of worry, some of you got the gift, okay? You give it back, re-gift it. We'll go ahead and let you re-gift the gift. But instead of that, how about you worship? When those tough times come, you go to the Lord and worship. Worship. If I drive by your house and you have worship music blasting, oh, they're worried about something. <laughs> they're worried about something. No, I'm kidding. But no, the point is, is that he says this. He says, be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about anything. Worship. Worship. Worship, yeah, that's the very first thing we should do when confronted with worry, whether it be your job, whether it be your relationship, whether it be your health. Guys, worship. Worship. And then what should we do? Well, he says, well, then go ahead and, 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 and what? By prayer and supplication. What does supplication mean? Well, if you look it up, it simply means petition. It just petition the Lord. Lord, here I am. Here's my request. But he says, but I want you to do it. Don't just come and ask him. Ever go to prayer where you just ask God for everything? 
Just go, God, here I am, Lord Jesus, and I need this, and I need this, and I need this, and don't you see this, and I can have this, and please, 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 amen, let's go. And we, and we move on, and then we come over here and go, why didn't God give me that? Well, because he says, because he, he, he looked down in your heart, and what does he say? He says, there should be thanksgiving. A grateful language to God, an act of worship. You know what I found? Come on, somebody. You know what I found? If, if worry hits me, and I worship with a grateful heart, I kind of realize that I'm kind of not worried. I'm worrying about something that's not a big deal. But if I don't worship, and I don't have the supplication, and I don't have a grateful heart, then I worry. I worry. He says, after you've done that, he says, go ahead and ask. You see, God isn't going, well, don't ask. I know everything. Ask. Be specific. God, here's the thing. I went to the mailbox today. I got this letter. So-and-so says that I owe this. I thought I, that was paid. Lord, I don't have the money. I don't have $10,000. I don't have 5000 I don't know what I'm going to do, Lord. Ask him. I don't think the Lord would put it in his word if he didn't want us to ask. What are you asking for? You see, we've been taught through a lot of television preachers that we could ask for all this fancy stuff when really we just need to ask for what's deep in our heart and say, Lord, I just want peace and, and I, I, I want you to walk with me. And I want to I wanna know you, Lord. Ask. He says, if you do these things, he says, the peace of God. The peace of God. And, and, and I looked up the peace of God, and here's what it means. It conveys a range of meanings including well-being, prosperity, freedom from anxiety, safety from harm, and deliverance from enemies. The peace of God. But something very interesting that jumps out in our text is the word guard. Why? Because guard is exactly what Mike and the other teams do in our church. Mike O'Reilly's sitting back there. He's got another guy over here, and he's got a guy. What's he doing? Tell me what he's doing. He's guarding us. He's protecting us. Okay? These guys have earpieces, and they're saying, okay, we got, we got a guy over here. We'll make sure he's all right. Watch out. You know, and they're talking to each other. Why? Because they're guard- that's the same word. He says, he says God's going to put guards in front of your heart to keep the bad stuff out. Can you imagine? You can come in here and worship freely knowing that the church is protected. You got a guy out there walking back and forth. He's looking, okay, got some, that sort of stuff. Now, if you ever see Mike and these other guys get up real fast, you know they're guarding us. You don't know who's guarding us, do you? But you know they're guarding us. And I love that because that's the word. It means to set up in front of your heart. To guard it from being attacked, to guard your heart and your mind through Jesus. So what happens when we worry? What happens? What happens, Amanda, when you exercise that gift? Worship. Worship. Worship first. Worship first. I wonder how much worry would go away 
if we just worshipped first. Then, if it's still there, petition the Lord. God, you are so good to me. Wow, Lord, we got up this morning. We had hot water. Coffee was good. I had air to breathe. I'm running out of time. I didn't even realize that. Sorry, guys. It's been so good. Thank you. One person. And of course, ask. Ask, Lord. Here's my heart. So, Paul isn't Bobby McFerrin saying, don't worry, be happy. What's he saying? Don't worry, be holy. Be holy. Walk in holiness. And the wonderful peace of God will guard your hearts and minds. Guard your hearts. And at the end of the day, he works it out anyway. I've seen it time. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not the, the, I'm not the champion of this, right? I still worry, and I still stress, and I have anxiety, and I need to learn the lesson as well. So, so please don't look at me. Don't imitate me because I'm just as bad. But the point is, what I've noticed over the years is that God works it out anyway. He works it out anyway. Okay, so let's close. We got to hurry. I started our Bible study with giving you just the world is a mess, and you know that. The world is a mess. And to be honestly, we're, we're being attacked by, on every side. As a matter of fact, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4, 8 through 9, he says, we're pressed on every side by troubles. He says, but we're not crushed. He says, we're perplexed, but we're not driven to despair. He says, we're hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, he says, but we're never destroyed. So what should we do? Here are the words of encouragement. You ready? You get heaven. If you're here today, you get heaven. That's going to be glorious. No more tears. No more oh, streets of gold. I mean, just, you, get to, you get a brand new body. You get to trade this in for a new body. Transformed. Ah, that's good stuff. I don't have to worry. Can you imagine? That's worth the price of admission. You don't have to worry. Well, do I have to worry about not worrying? No, don't worry. Just worship. Worship. You know what? Us Christians, we should be so crazy that we're worshiping at the top of our lungs in our cars that everybody looks over and thinks we're crazy. We're just like this. I'm at a red light. Please don't do this while you're driving, okay? What happened? They were worshiping, crashed right into, bless the Lord. You know, just, you're just worshiping, and the guy's like, just worshiping. Why? Because that's what we do. What great words of encouragement for you to take today. But let me leave you with this. You ready? If you're here today and you are doubting how much God loves you, you're just doubting, you know, Lord, how much do you really love me? Understand that he spread his arms open wide and he said, I love you this much as they nailed him to a cross for you and for me. That's great love. I can go to bed tonight knowing that my God loves me so much that he died for me and then I have an eternal home. I'm not alone in this world. I've got what a great feeling that would be. Can I get a good amen on that one? Amen. Father, today we thank you for great words of encouragement. I don't want to worry anymore. I want to trust you.
I want to worship you. I'll, I'll ask you. We'll pray. We'll seek you, God. But Lord, we'll do it with a grateful heart. We'll do it with a grateful heart. Lord, I don't know why you brought this to mind, but I liked one of my favorite people in, in this church said, we don't want to skip from December, October 31st to Christmas and miss all of November without having a heart of gratitude. I like that. And so, Lord, teach us to be grateful. Teach us to be thankful. Teach us to love you. That's what we're all about. Thank you, Holy Spirit. With every eye closed and every head bowed, I never want to leave a meeting without giving you an opportunity to know Jesus. I'm asking you today, do you know Jesus? Is your, is your home, home in heaven? And, and I would ask with all sincerity, would you search your heart for just a second and say, God, I'm not sure. If there's ever a doubt in your mind, like you're like, Pastor Ben, to be honest with you, I'm not sure. Well, today, I've got really good news. You see, you're here for a reason, and God brought you here so that he can forgive you of your sin. He can walk with you, come into your life, and love you and be your God and be your friend, and that you're going to be transformed one day and soon and very soon. But here's my plea to you. As your pastor, please don't leave here without a commitment to Jesus. Please don't take a chance and say, well, I hope I'm good. That's not how it works. You need to put your faith and trust in him. Believe. The Bible says believe. And I'm asking you to do one thing. What's that? I'm asking you to repent. Repent from what sin? From the sin of unbelief. And watch what God will do in your life. He's done it at every one of our lives, and we're different. But you have to make the stand. Nobody can do it for you. So I don't know where you're at, but I always want to give you an opportunity. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, how many of you to this morning would say, uh, Pastor Ben, would you pray for me? I'm not sure if I'd go to heaven or not. I'm not sure. Well, what do you want me to do, Pastor? I want you to lift up your hand. I want you to say, that's me, Ben, that's me. Well, why do I have to lift up my hand? Because I want God to see your heart. And if God begins to see your heart, then you can make that next step. So if you're not sure, just lift up your hand and I'll acknowledge you. Oh, God bless you, sister. I see you to my left over here. Thank you so much for your, for your courage. Anyone else? You're not right with God. Just lift it up so I can see it. God bless you, sister. I see you in front. Anyone else? Just ready to commit 100% to the Lord, you and, you and God, today. Well, does it mean I join? I have to join? No, we don't even have a membership here. It just means you're going to get right with God. So if you lifted up your hand, I'm going to ask you if you'll do me a quick favor. Would you just pray? If you're, if you're, listen, I did this two weeks ago, but if you're serious and, and you don't care what people think, but you only care what God thinks, could you, could you just get up out of your seat? Oh, no, 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 don't, don't do that. No, I'm, it'll just be us up front. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer of a recommitment to God. Would you do that right now? If you lifted up your hand and you really want to make it right with God, would you just do that? Just stand up right where you're at and come, come meet me over here. God bless you, sister. God bless you. Amen, amen. 
Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else need to be up here? We're just gonna we're just gonna pray. I'm not gonna embarrass you. But she's she's anyone? All right. Come on, let's pray. Nathalie, will you come up here with us? Would you just pray this prayer out loud after me? Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe you died on the cross. I believe you died on the cross. For me. For me. I believe you were raised on the third day. I believe you were raised. And now you're coming back for me. But while I'm on earth, I need help. So I'm asking you, in prayer, by faith, come into my heart and be my Lord and be my God. Be my friend. I choose this day to follow you, Jesus, for forever I'm yours. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 That is the greatest thing in the whole world when someone prays for that forgiveness. Ah, oh, maybe you weren't up here. Maybe you prayed that prayer. God bless you. We have a Bible and a Bible study guide. We love you. And um, man, let's worship. And well, first let me do this. Let me pray a blessing over you. That way. You guys can get it, get to the restaurant before the Baptist do. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and give you peace and hope. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, church, don't forget. Yes, 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 yes. Hey, don't forget. Bible study tonight for the college and young adults, 6 o'clock. We will see you. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.